0: So the question is, do we start at the beginning, or do we start with that really weird ending?
1: Uh, it's still kind of fresh in my mind. and <laughs> I'm not sure if I really want to go there immediately. <laughs> it's so, oh my, uh, I, I, think
2: I, was I don't think. know. What would you yeah, say, I was, Lori? I think I was traumatized and horrified. At the same time, I was sort of fascinated going, wow.
1: They were there. <laughs> okay, why, why, okay, here's what we maybe we should start at like the ca- starting the cabin the first time we see it and then go from there then we can double back. I because think that will help explain the end where we are like, like
0: All right, that works for me. What's up hybrids? This is the fandom hybrid podcast. This is Hanako and we are discussing The Boys season 2 episode 4. The title is Nothing Like It in the World, and I am joined by Mike and Laurie. Um, Yeah, I... So, obviously, if you watch this episode, you know that we are talking about that weird Homelander scene at the end of the episode. But like Mike said, I think we're going to start from the beginning and kind of revisit um, how we got to that very weird, very awkward, very uncomfortable point in the story. Yep. So, go, <laughs> so this episode starts out with these weird um, kind of like candid interviews. And we see them sprinkled throughout the, the episode. You've got these women and they're talking about bad relationships. And I started watching this episode and I was like, what the hell are we getting ourselves into? Like it was so out of place for like literally in the episode before um, the last episode, we have all this violence. We've got Stormfront killing a whole building of people and killing Kimiko's brother and you've got Rayner getting her head exploded and all this other stuff and then you start the episode with I don't know, it's almost like a dating profile. Right. It was weird. And I guess it started the whole episode started weird and then it ended weird, but it was like this was so out of place.
1: It started with Frenchie almost getting almost getting his head jerked off.
0: Yeah, that, that was in there too But it was I don't know um, And then we go from weird interviews To kind of pick up Where we left off in the last episode Kenji, Kimiko's brother Is being blamed in the news For all of the deaths That Stormfront caused And it's like You, you kind of wonder And you can see it here How the media puts their own spin on things And not only that Whoever is working PR for Vought you know you gotta hand it to them they did an excellent job because they totally shifted the blame away i mean they had quote-unquote witnesses and everything
1: yeah i mean they i mean they're just they're almost like like political presidential level on, on how they spin things i mean they could they literally make it seem like anybody did what they say what they said do and it's like it's scary how they how how they can twist it and make it seem believable, but then you have to give that to Stormfront and Homelander too for being able to say that and make it seem, oh yeah, you're right. And it's like, and that's Stormfront's ability to like sway people, which is which is portrayed later in the episode as well.
0: Right. Here's the, here's the weird thing though, the media is putting all of the blame on the super terrorists and not on you know of course Stormfront's name is not mentioned in the violence, even in a defensive um, you know, sort of light like if she was protecting herself from this super terrorist, like her name isn't even mentioned as being any party to this violence and then literally in the next scene we see her um, on TV and she's at a protest and she's protesting against Vaughn and it's like what what what's going on like like she's literally protesting against her employer she's she's kind of inciting unrest and disruption and you know all of this stuff against her employer and it's like to what end like at this point we know what her true colors are we still don't know what what her plan is like what's what's the end game it's just it's weird yeah Laura you've been quiet
2: Oh, I'm just listening. I, I, I think that with the media and everything that they're doing and the way that she was, I think she's got this, uh, well, she definitely has an agenda, but I think it's more along the lines of seeing how far she can push him because she said something to home later, later on the episode where he, she's like, oh, well, maybe I went a little bit too far. But I, I think that the spin that Vaughn is, is giving uh, what happened is what they would do with anyone, not just her. I think that's their standard uh, business practice.
0: I I get it. I, but, you know, I'm wondering, she chased Kenji into that building alone. Like all of the other um, members of the Seven who were there, I don't know where they were or what they were doing. But I'm wondering, do they even know that she was the one that was responsible for all of that destruction? Or did she really, <laughs> like, spin it that it was the super terrorists and... That's how they came to that conclusion. Like even Homelander does he do you think he knows that it was her at this point because I think at this point she's still putting on a little bit of a front for the rest of the seven. So do they truly know how evil she is?
1: No, I don't think that I think they do believe that the terrorist that is I, I think they think it was a battle between her and the terrorist that did all the destruction. But I don't think they know. They know the extent that she was involved in it. Like she basically did it all. I, I think. I think they're still. They, I don't think anyone really suspects her of being what she is. I, and they're and they're just kind of they're, they're just kind of going along with it because they're like, yeah, whatever. So I I, I think she has a good wing.
0: Okay, okay. So now we're gonna get to the start of the really like. <laughs> weird stuff. So we come to a cabin in the woods, and Homelander enters, and there to greet him is Madeline Stillwell. Was anybody else confused?
1: That blew my mind. I was like, wait, 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 hold on. How? Because because I forgot about the I forgot about doppelganger because he because they introduced him in season one. I completely forgot about it, and I was like, that's not possible. Right. Like, I, th- I, thought, I thought he was hallucinating for a second. I was like, wait, that, unless she, like, is she a super, like, what the hell's going on? See, and-
0: that was my thought as well, because her death in season one, like, he literally lasered her eyes out and her brain, I mean, literally drilled holes oh, yeah. in her face, and then she was blown up by explosives, so to see her alive and in that weird seductive way it was it was strange but okay i have to ask you this laurie because you were unfamiliar with the show so when we first started podcasting you asked what the deal was with you know the whole milk thing and we explained about the the relationship so now that you got to see kind of what it was because i believe that whole scene was representative of what we saw in their relationship in season one, what are your thoughts?
2: (laughs) Well, (laughs) I just say that what was indicated at the end of the episode might actually be true about Homelander.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. But at the same time, I think that he is just this really messed up person who would do anything to have her back in his life because I get the feeling, again, I, I still haven't watched season one, that this was probably one of the more stable things that he had in his life.
0: I agree. Right?
2: Okay, yeah. so I was weirded out by it. I thought it was gross because, it, but at the same time, I was happy because I've watched four episodes and three episodes. I'm like, well, they're nowhere near as graphic and as disgusting as they they'd be. And then I see a episode I'm like, well, here it is. It's about time. <laughs>
0: Finally, is living up to its potential, huh?
2: Ah, exactly. No, I, uh, I, I, I was weirded and grossed out, but at the same time, I was like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> so that was basically it.
0: So, what weirded or grossed you out more? the 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 whole display of their relationship or last episode when Butcher ran the boat into the whale? Which one was more gross?
2: I'd have to say the relationship. <laughs> I, that weird aerial shot they did of looking down at her chest. Right before then, she
0: changed.
2: Her, right in her head is a, and she starts moaning. Oh, it was crazy. Yes
0: yes and that was that was what i was explaining to you a couple of episodes ago like they have this weird dynamic and it's i think for me it's made even more weird by let me let me just say anthony Starr. i love his facial expressions because he put some of the weirdest facial expressions on Homelander. Yeah. And you can tell, like, his his face is an open book. You can tell everything he's thinking. Like, later in the episode when he's doing the the interview and uh, Maria Menunos said something to him about the uh, demographics of the seven. The look on his face was like, bitch, did you really just ask me that question on National TV? I'm about to tell you. I mean, literally, he, that was the look on his face. And his face is so expressive. And I think it's kind of, when you see him with Madeline, you see a mixture of, I don't even know if I wanna call it love, more of like a fascination and more of a um, a weird kind of devotion. And then at the same time, you can also see some self-loathing on his face. Um, kind of like, oh, why am I? because because it's it's so weird like with everybody else that he interacts with he can he can like really quickly turn from charming to cutthroat and it's like with her he can't really it it seems like he doesn't have that that boundary or he doesn't have that separation in that personality. It's almost like you know we we talked about how she kind of controlled him and it's like you can see him. When he looks at her, he acknowledges that control, but at the same time, he hates it, and it's just a weird thing to watch him play out.
1: Yeah, because like you can see it like in his jaw, like the way he holds his jaw, kind of his yes. where he gets like slack jawed, and his jaw kind of juts out the Like wait, hold on, and and you can you can see you can you can almost see him thinking in the way that his that he holds his mouth, mm-hmm. like you can see everything about what's going on in the lower half of the say you don't even look in his eyes you can see everything going on with his mouth and his jaw it gives it gives away a lot of things that are that are going through his mind
0: and see so, for me i think for me it's the opposite because i notice more in his eyes like he tells so much with his eyes more than he does with the rest of his face to me it's like I can look from the nose up, and I'm like, "Oh, he's in this kind of mood. Oh, somebody's about to get their ass chewed out. Oh, he's about okay, to, yes. yeah. you know." It's see, just,
1: you're right. I can see that. I, I think it's his. Maybe it's his whole face. Like his, like his whole face is so expressive. That's a It's a good job by 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 Tony by very. having every part of his face showing something, showing what's going on with him. And it's like, especially towards the really creepy part, like. Once, like, you can see his jaw, like, oh, like, he's so, he's so conflicted, like, okay, I kind of like this, but this is really weird, but.
0: Right, but uh even in that first scene, when, when he's laying his head in Madeline's lap, and before we realize that that's Doppelganger, when we hear the groan and the change, it's like, as soon as he saw the hand change, His whole expression changed, his whole demeanor changed, and he was like, Change back, change back. And it was so, it was like such a a drastic change of expression. And then, almost just as suddenly, as soon as Doppelganger changed back, you saw him kind of ease back into that relaxed, um, you know, that weird devotion look. It it was, he's such a great actor with this character. It's just so weird to watch.
1: It's like it's like he had a nightmare, then he woke up, <laughs> and then he kind of eased back into sleep.
0: Well, you know, if if I had to look, you know, not to be ugly, but if I had to be in the lap of Madeline Stilwell and then this really weird guy who <laughs> obviously has a thing for homeland, he obviously has a thing yeah. for Homelander, but 100%. yeah, it's it's just. You know, all of, uh, that sudden drastic change that would weird me out too.
1: Yeah, that that scene was so funny. <laughs> Y'all though. can't yeah.
0: see it, but Lori is just shaking her head
2: like, <laughs> "Nope." It was, it was, it was disturbing. I'm sorry, to get I'm not, That was disturbing. <laughs> oh my goodness! Hey, like I said, it's gonna take me a minute to get over that. Ah. Uh. Oh
0: no, you can't get I, over it yet because we're not done. Talk we're not done okay, talking I, about those I, two. But, but
2: my, thing, my thing is, is that I I was like I said I was happy to see it because I was like okay now this is what I was expecting. And he right he is a great actor but you know Carl Urban is another one. I mean just the look is later on what happens with him and his Ben Becca you can see she goes I saw it in your eye. and you can see it the way his face was changing yep. right. that was like. You know, she he didn't want to admit that she was right. Right. And and I think that what's going to happen eventually is that when he gets with Homelander, just the range of emotions on their faces is going to be just worth watching versus whatever else happens in the scene. You
0: know, right. Because there's,
2: yeah. some, I get the feeling again, I haven't watched season one, I need to go back. I get the feeling that there is a lot more pent up. Uh, anger that I I I missed. I didn't see the first season
0: with who Butcher,
2: with Butcher and
0: with Homelander. Yeah. Oh y- Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. You missed. Yeah. You got to go back and watch the first season because yeah, there's a lot between them. Okay, so we we mentioned. Uh, I think we briefly mentioned this in an early episode. So we finally get. We are finally introduced kind of sorta of, to the superhero Liberty in this episode. And her backstory is disturbing and then it's even more disturbing. Um, first of all, we got Don't to see Lewis. Don Lewis. Yay, yay, yay. You know, uh Don Lewis. Yeah. Those of us from our generation, we know her as Jaleesa from A Different World. We loved her in that. And so to see her pop up in uh, this show was pleasantly surprising and very, uh, I won't say fun, but it was nice to see her. Um,
1: she, was like, she was only in it for, what, like four or five minutes? And it was just like really freaking powerful. It like, was a very like good scene. The way scene. she told that story was just like, oh, man. Right. And she did a really good job. Like in that little time that she had, she put a lot into that story. You
2: know, she always does. She was on iZombie for a couple episodes. And even there, I mean, she's just a really good actress. You yeah. know, yeah, and, I was yeah, happy yeah. and she's got a very recognizable face and, and I was like, Oh, there's Julissa! you know, so <laughs> but see, I, I, I'm just old enough, and I'm telling you how old I am, when a different world was on, I was actually in college at the time. Going to the state school, and I would come home, and I would watch, and I'd be mad because I wasn't going to sell. Oh, <laughs> I was, oh, I, was I was watching it.
1: I was watching it when I was at Hampton, and that is like the most fun. Like I was at Hampton when, um, when Dwayne proposed to Whitley. Oh
2: wow! Uh,
1: and it's like iconic moment. Like, we, we were all in the dorm, like like huddled around the TV, and it's like we actually like we were watching it, and we we're like, like we're, this is how. God, how long how long ago it was when I was in college someone had a TV and we could, we could turn it like from color to black and white we are like, oh, we like put it on black and white because it kind of looked like the end scene from Casablanca because they both had trench coats on and they were at, at the airport and stuff so we turned it on black and white it almost looked just like Casablanca and we, when he proposed we were like oh! everybody was like
0: oh! there like, are the some R&D millennials like, hell, and were... Gen Z <laughs> listeners right now who are like what <laughs>
1: Like what do you mean? You can you can make color
0: not color? What filter right. is that? that right. <laughs> but getting back to Miss yeah. Liberty, so we find out yeah. that um, when when her character uh, Don Lewis's character and I I didn't catch her name, but when um, when she was a little girl, her brother was driving her somewhere. They were pulled over by Liberty, this soup at the time, um, and that the scene was very. Um, it was very eerily familiar to, to a lot of what a lot of black men are going through um, in this day and age, being pulled over um, by the cops, being accused of, you know, fitting the description of oh, someone yeah. they're looking for. And, um, you know, this this little story kind of takes a a. a all too familiar turn where Liberty actually, uh, she calls the brother some derogatory, very racist names. And she proceeds to say, um, she says something like, I'm a hero for killing a piece of shit like, y- uh, uh, you know, a piece of shit like you, a black, a black, a black piece, piece, of piece of shit like you. And then she proceeds to literally crush his face in her hands and we find out that the family was paid uh two thousand dollars hush money um to to cover this up or to not say anything about it and then when when Huey makes mention that nobody's seen Liberty since nineteen seventy nine she says no she and she goes over and she gets the newspaper and she says this is her right here and she puts the newspaper down and it's Stormfront. I gotta yeah, say I was surprised but thinking back on it not really
1: yeah i mean it's like it's like like i said last episode there's so many punches to the gut with stormfront like and and like so many like little little climaxes that they're giving you like in such a short period of time Mm -hmm. like you know got stormfront going through the apartment building and killing people and being racist and then you find out she's even more racist and she's older like she hasn't aged at all, right? Basically, and it's like you—I mean—and you she's changed her appearance
0: son. because if when you look at the when you look at the flashback from the little girl's eyes, Liberty was a blonde. That's true, and, and so also, she's completely different now.
1: In the first episode, when he was walking up from when Huey was walking out from their hideout, and he was walking through the comic book store, there was a Liberty poster on the wall. As he passed by, and they kind of briefly they briefly zoomed in on it, then they went to the other scene. Right, and I was like, huh? So, like, people still know about Liberty, but I'm surprised. I guess I a mean, hair color can change your. I mean, especially going from that light to really dark can mm-hmm. kind of change your change how people see you. But I'm surprised people didn't recognize. There's, I don't think she. There's, I guess I don't think she ages like we do. So I'm surprised obviously people. not. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, she she looks up.
0: younger. She looks younger than most of the. I mean, she looks right around the same age as the seven. Like she could she, be she's in her late twenties, like early thirties. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Now, it, again, it reminds me again of Wild Cards. Like I said, I keep I bring it up every episode. But again, in Wild Cards, there's a character that is sort of like her with the aging factor too. Mm. And I, I I'm telling you, somebody in that writer's room loves George R. R. Martin's wild card series. Because every episode I've gone, maybe I should go back and read those books because she she reminds me of the of one of the characters of a lot of them. But I think the thing is with her, is that I would be very interested to know, and I don't know if you guys watch a little bit more than I have. I would love to know if we find out what happened to her that time in between then and now.
0: Because she had to be... Amanda. Um, We... We haven't... <laughs> I haven't watched episode 7 yet. Um, Episode 7 was released today. I haven't had a chance to watch that yet, but I do know that we find out a little bit about her backstory in episode 6. So we'll yep. be talking about that this weekend as well. But yeah, we do find out a little bit about her background, but not as far as I know, what has what happened to her between 79 and now. So I, I, I don't know. I have a feeling we'll find out. And it's also interesting, Mike, that you mentioned um, Doppelganger being from season one because I, I, I'm going to be honest, I completely forgot. I think he was kind of brought in as one of those characters that is mentioned and then kind of pushed to the side and you think, oh, it's just a one-shot character, you know, that sort of thing. And then he turns up in this episode and I'm wondering how many more cameos or what were cameos in the first season, you know, Will they show up? Because we do know that there's another soup that was mentioned in the first season that we see a little bit more of this season. So I'm just wondering, like, are they giving us these little glimpses of these, you know, seemingly B-level soups because they're going to play a more important part of the picture? Like you said, Liberty was a poster in in the first episode, and I wouldn't have even thought to look for her because I'm so you know, I'm so focused on paying attention to what the main characters are doing. I really, on the first, on the first viewing of an episode, I really don't pay attention to like background stuff right? because I'm yeah. really paying attention to the story first. And then if I go back and rewatch it, then I started, no- you know, I start noticing things a little bit more. So I wonder are we going to have more, more of those moments in this season and how they're going to figure into all of this. Like, does that have something to do with now that we know who Stormfront is? Will that have something to do with this whole bot take down, take over, whatever it is she's plotting?
1: I think. I mean, it's, I think it also has a lot to do with with the cult getting members. I think. It's, I, I'm more and more. I'm almost starting to see it as like a lot of sex getting a sex getting together, as far as like super superhero groups getting together and. Mm-hmm. Like almost fighting for superiority. As soon as they see a weakness and bot, they're like, oh, oh, they're kind of they're kind of falling apart. Maybe it's our turn to take over. I think that's why the cult is started starting to starting to pick up steam and get followers mm. and trying and trying to get someone like the deep who can really recruit other lower level suits to go to go along with him. And <clears> it's like I think I think we're getting we headed towards something that is that's almost almost like a superhero war. Or, or just, just like a battle for superiority and for sovereignty, like for, like you know, who's in control, who has the best soups. I think it's, I think it's moving swiftly towards that.
0: Okay. Well, since we're talking about the deep, uh, <laughs> the other part of the weird part of the episode is we see um, maybe two or three more of these weird interviews that started off the episode, and it turns out. Um, The Collective is actually interviewing some of their female members for a position as the Deep's wife. That's not creepy. Weirdest version of the dating game ever. And it's so... It's funny because we already knew that this this group, The Collective, is kind of like a cult. Not sure what their purpose is yet, but... um, you know, the last, the last interviewee, she comes across as very, she calls herself a feminist, but she's very sexual. And she, you know, she basically makes all of these illusions. Um, she's basically like, screwing the deep in the interview she's making all of these uh she's making all of these comments basically stating that she doesn't mind um, you know giving out and and giving and you know taking and she doesn't find anything wrong with embracing your sexuality and you know blah 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 oh, and important. pleasing your man and all this other stuff and of course the deep is just eating it up because this is what he's been looking for he's been looking for that kind of love and acceptance and and attraction and all of this other stuff and uh-huh. then when he tells um The chick from the collective, I cannot remember her name, but when he tells her, yeah, that's the one, that's the one who's going to be my wife. And she's like, no, you're going to go with the lady who told the, the creepy skeleton spooning story. And he's like, no, I thought I got to choose. And she said, you do get to choose and you choose Charlotte. And it's like, huh? like oh okay so you went from being a second class member of one group to a second class member in another you can't even choose the person who you have to quote unquote spend the rest of your life with it's just it's weird i use that word a lot with this show but it's weird
1: (laughs) yeah i think that i mean it's just like that was like the the it was like a weird church version of Eharmony. i expected that e-harmony guy just to show up and <laughs> and help him choose who he was gonna who he's gonna pick and yeah that skeleton story was so creepy i was like i got like i was like eh. like come on man but, I, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't have chose her to walk through my front door and walk back out like no nah, that, that's just wrong
2: i thought
0: the ed Sheeran girl had a shot you know what Sheeran, yeah the Ed Sheeran girl, and I love Ed Sheeran, but oh my God, that 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 story was funny and it was sad at the same time because I know people, and we all know people, and we've all heard of people who have done extreme things like go get a tattoo with their boyfriend or their girlfriend, and you know, in this like big grandeur gesture of love, and then like a few days later, a few weeks later you guys aren't even speaking to each other. You're no longer friends. You hate each other. It's just, yeah. It was it was funny. That was the fun thing about these interviews because when I listened to a few of them, I'm like, oh, I've heard that story before. I've actually been in that story before. This is something that I can relate to. And then when you find out what it's for, it's just like, oh, okay, there's the creep factor again. Do
2: you have a
1: tattoo? I didn't know that
2: married nerds. I made sure that they were nerdier than me, that if they didn't know the actual episode names of Star Trek episodes, I wouldn't have them.
0: <laughs> Oh, you're one of those <laughs> nerds. I never had that bro. <laughs> and no, Mike, I do not have an Ed Sheeran tattoo. No. Mm-mm. No. I love okay. him, but I, I, I have this weird thing about putting other people's faces on my body. That's just weird to me. It's you know, it's weird.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I, I have Einstein on my arm, so I can't relate. Really, so.
0: Well, <laughs> okay, yep. I
1: I'm, know. I'm, I'm I'm weird. I I embrace my embrace my weirdness. It's okay.
0: And and I'm, and as well, you should. But it's just <laughs> uh, it's just not my I my personal that. preference. I mean but it's yeah. it's also different too because Einstein is not alive, so. That's a little different, but to have like the face of a person that's walking around living, it's just, for me, it's weird. I think it looks cool when people do, especially like I've seen tattoos of other celebrities or, you know, um, TV or movie characters and it's of the person who plays the character and the tattoos look great. They look amazing. I just personally, that's not my, my choice. So, but, I mean,
1: someone who got who got a tattoo of Denzel Washington playing Malcolm X, and they thought they got a tattoo of Malcolm X, and I was like,
0: no. "Oh yeah, when tattoos <laughs> go wrong, yeah." But it's so funny because this girl in in the um in the episode, you know how how would you be with the deep if you've got a tattoo of Ed Sheeran? That's you know, you're you're ma- you would be married to a celebrity with the tattoo of another celebrity. It's just yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think that. I don't think that will work.
2: I think that, that. You laser it off. You didn't have to keep it.
0: <laughs> that was a pretty detailed tattoo, though.
2: <laughs> well, I not tattoo, so I don't know how or what it does. But you know, something can be done. Yeah, and makeup. I don't know. But I, I think what the what the bottom of the the thing is is that the church obviously wants to use him for something. And the fact that he's, like you said, a second-class citizen. But I think it's more than that. I think that the church is trying to mold him in such a way that whoever he's with is probably going to be the one that's going to be his handler,
0: quote-unquote. Mm. As- okay. Yeah, I can see, see that. You know I can mean? definitely see that. Which would also uh, explain why they wanted to choose someone who is who was not, I guess, so dead set on pleasing him. Because that last one... Yeah, I was like, oh, she's just like, they just might as well just go at it right there. That's basically what she was... Right. She
2: needed therapy. She she needed therapy. I'm sorry. Well, I I had a conversation a a couple weeks ago about something and somebody presented a situation to me and they asked me what I thought about it. And I told them straight up, I said, the person needs therapy. (laughs) And they looked at me like I'm crazy, but when I broke it down, they were like, come on. Maybe you're right because sometimes you get obsessive people like that mm-hmm. it's not good because they're only going to be willing to go so far even though they say they'll do everything because I actually had an experience
0: where I was at a
2: Star Trek convention a couple of years ago and we were in line to see uh, the get autographs from William Shatner. And there was this girl that had been following us around all day, you know, hanging out. Because, you know, when you go to college, you hang out with people. Right, of and course. She says to me, and she's talking to my husband. My husband's a decent-looking guy. And she's talking to Mark, and she's talking to me. And the line gets stalled, and they we're going in about, you know, obsessions and Star Trek. And then she starts making all these weird sexual uh Things. and I'm thinking, what in the world is wrong with this woman? And then I couldn't help myself. She informs my husband, well I'm a sex therapist and before I could say anything go, Of course you are. It just came out. So I asked her, what are you doing at the Star Trek convention? She looked me dead down and she goes, Research. We got out of line and left. We went to another part of the line and waited until she got we we got back in line later. <laughs>
0: That is probably one of the weirdest conversations I've heard about at a convention, and I go to Dragon Con every
2: year. Yes. <laughs> so,
0: oh my goodness!
2: Oh yeah, therapy.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, and w- the other weird thing is these girls are all part of the church. They're part of the collective. So to see to see them go from you have one who basically talks about heartbreak and you know compassion and trust in a relationship. And then you've got another one who talks about the Ed Sheeran tattoo. And then you've got another one who talks about the spooning, um, the spooning mummies that they found or whatever it was. And then you've got the one who was basically taking her clothes off in front of the camera. And it's like all of these different personalities belong to that collective. So it's kind of like, I, I, I think you might be right. It's like, they're trying to find someone who, um, I guess can give him an image overhaul, but also maybe in some way control him. So I don't know.
2: Okay.
1: So are they? So are, so are those girls soups?
0: No, but they're part. They're part of that little church. Well, I don't know. They might be soups. But she said. Um, she said they're some of the collective's uh best members or something like that. She said to that effect. You know, they're all part. You know, they're all part of the collective or something. But. I don't know. That that whole that whole thing is
2: I can't see them being soups for one reason. If they were soups, they would already be using them to promote the church, not matching them up with soups. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. That That makes sense. sense. That does. That does. But speaking of soups, let's let's move on. We still have a lot of ground to cover. Um so Homelander seems to be on a fact finding mission. Um, he has approached Starlight by threatening to, um, I guess, dig his hand into her stomach. Uh, Like
1: literally almost disemboweling her.
0: Right, right. And, and Starlight, you know, this is something we, we, we talked about a couple of episodes ago. Starlight is learning to be a very proficient liar because she's able to lie her way out of this. Homelander is basically threatening her. Um, because she didn't kill Huey when he told her to last episode. And, um, you know, he's like, yeah, the reason why, you know, you didn't kill him is because y'all are together. And she tells him basically, Huey broke my heart. I want to rip his face off half the time. So no, we're not together. Now, am I lying? And she says it with such confidence that he literally looks at her and he's thinking, he's like, no, you're not lying. And I'm like, oh, she's getting, she's getting pretty good at this.
1: You're really good at it.
0: Right. And then he goes, and then what happens next? I think he's doing an interview on Maria Menunos with Queen Maeve and he literally outs her on national TV. And this is the first time Queen Maeve even has an inkling that Homelander or anyone within that, that world of hers knows that she's a lesbian and knows who her girlfriend is. And Homelander just revealed all of it to the entire country. Yeah.
1: I can't believe he did that shit. I was like, because, like, it took so much, because my sister's a lesbian, it took so much for her to come out to my mom, me, and my grandma. But it's like, she was so, it is such a personal thing. For someone to right. do that, why would you it of all people to do it i mean if if her if her if her girlfriend would have done it she'd probably have been she probably have been mad but that would have been better than freaking homelander on um, maria Menuno's right telling the world that she's a lesbian right i mean that's just uh, i mean that's such an invasion and it's just so douchey but it's homeland it's so Homelander again this is a, this is
0: a person who has no morals this is a person who has no compassion this is a person who has no filter and we know that he did it to gain control of the situation as he said to the uh, to Doppelganger as Madeline earlier in the episode you know um, he he's tired of the lies he knows that the seven is falling apart and he feels like they don't respect him and Doppelganger basically tells him you were the one who built this team if they can't respect you, if they can't, you know, if they can't do what you want them to do, then maybe it's time for you to weed out the, you know, weed out the bad ones and pull in some right. new new people and that's literally what Homelander is doing on this little quest he's going to. So now he thinks that Starlight is on his team because she basically lied her way out of his interrogation. Queen Maeve is now probably under his thumb because her immediate thought was, what did you do to Elena? He's like, no, she's fine. You know, he gets a little, you know, derogatory digs in at her, but he basically is like, no, I'm happy for you. I want you guys to be happy together. And He's telling her this and he's smiling like he's sincere. But again, it's those eyes. It's the look in the eyes that tell you something is up his sleeve. And if he doesn't do anything with this information now, he's going to do something with that information later. Like you can see it on his face. And, and Mave is, she, she's right to be suspicious because this is Homelander, you know. And he says, you know, is it, is it so hard to think that I would want you to be happy? Uh, yes. Have you met you? Right. You know? And then um also with A Train. A train is coming to Vault. He sees um Chocolate. Shockwave. He's he he sees Chocolate, him. Yeah. He sees him, you know, boarding the elevator, and this is the person who he considers his primary rival. Rival yeah. So he goes upstairs to talk to Rachel and she's like, Oh no, everything's good. Homelander comes in and basically I mean like literally cut cut to the point. Oh, yeah, you're here. Okay, good. You're out. And he's like, out of what? Out of the seven. And Homelander just basically lays it out. Yeah, we know your heart is bad. You think I don't know that you, you know, you can't run like you used to, that you've been having issues with your heart. And A-Train is trying to talk his way out of this. And Homelander just basically, you know, literally just puts his foot gently on his behind and pushes him out the door. That's pretty much the equivalent of that dismissal. And so... There you go. You have what one spot that's open in the seven, right. and, and who did I don't think who, it was who,
1: really that gentle. I mean, he, he really just like ripped the bandaid off of it instead of just like gently peeling it. He was like, "Yep, you're out." Ripped
0: and the then, of and then to add insult to injury, he says, "It's not. It, it, it's not you. It's, it, it's nothing personal. We'll still be friends." And yada yada yada. I mean, uh, literally uh, use uh, the words yada 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 <laughs> like. <laughs> uh, or no etc that's what he said he said etc oh, et yeah. but it's kind of like you know you know, we were talking about A-Train's fears about losing his status and losing his you know everything that he has gained since he joined the 7 and it's like all in one fell swoop whoosh it's gone
1: and he even told him like you're probably not even in the top 20 I'm like jeez like you could have just said top 10 but he told him he's not even in the top 20 right like that's harsh. Like, damn, they're 19 people faster than you grow.
0: Right. Damn. And Did then... I
2: say, can I say something? Yes. I, I wasn't that heartbroken. I actually... <laughs> I was actually sort of good. Because Adrian's, my language, is, uh, is... He's bad. He wasn't a great... First. I understand what happened in season one. He's the whole reason... the Huey's with the boys.
0: Right. Right
2: train got in fact if you think about it they were nice about letting a train go considering that everything he's done the the the, the drugs pop claw
0: girlfriend
2: they were actually quite nice and pleasant about it so no i didn't feel nothing about him at all queen <laughs> name i felt bad for uh starlight felt bad for a train didn't bother me <laughs> But well, tell
1: us how that's, you that's really a, feel. That's a good point, actually. I mean, you know, he has he has been like kind of above it all. Like he hasn't really. I don't think he's really even paid for. Even with him having a heart attack, he hasn't really paid for obliterating Huey's fiance. I think
0: I mean, that I think they gave Huey a check, and he had to do like some. Uh, some like scripted apology or something. But yeah, for the most part, like he, I mean, he even said like he went to the, he went to that club in season one and he got high and he was like, I don't even, you know, he was like, I don't even remember, you know, her name. He was like, I remember having a, um, having a scrape, Something about, I think, a tooth got lodged into his uniform and he was complaining about the fact that he had to clean all this stuff out of his uniform. And he was, like, so nonchalant about it, you know, that And Huey was able to see this on a, I think it was a surveillance camera or, or, you know, but just basically see that A-Train really had no remorse. He didn't care that he killed someone. He didn't care that, you know, someone was in pain. He was just kind of like, uh, whatever. And, I mean, I know that he was probably high on the uh, Compound V at that time. And, you know, we we talked about whether or not that, um, you know, prolonged use of Compound V may have altered his personality, the way he thinks, the way he acts. But still, it is a very callous thing that he did. And, you know, just kind of not caring about it. So, yeah, to see him get kicked out, I was like, whatever. (laughs) But I don't think that's the end of him. So, I don't know. The other person that we haven't talked about yet in the seven, Black Noir. What is it with his obsession with Billy Butcher?
2: Oh, he's got to be Either a relative or a childhood friend. I'm telling you, it's got to be one of the two. Because you don't have that little obsession over just somebody you're trying to track down. Unless you're like a like a legendary
1: like western sheriff or something you know so yeah that, that does kind of seem like he's, he's really like tracking him down like that
2: yeah. but it's
1: like the thing, the thing about that the thing about Black Noir is we really don't know enough about his backstory to say oh well that's it it's like you said that, that could actually really be the case oh, yeah. like, like he could be or he could be like someone he's someone who got bullied by Butcher Back in the day, then he got, then they, they came by and- That's
0: probably more like,
2: likely.
1: <laughs> their, their, their parents were like, you're such a wuss here. We're, you're going to send you over here they're going to give you this stuff and they're going to make you better.
2: Or he killed something close to him. Or it could yeah. be, it could be, in, there's, there's got to be something. You're, yeah, because, uh, you know, yeah, because usually when you get people like that who are just weird, you know, really into something, there's a, there's usually a pretty good reason. Yeah, and, and we know that Butcher has done a lot of stuff over the years, and you know, once you start like, like say, um, uh, Frenchie, yes, that's his name. Yes. Yeah. You, he, he's got all the skills. Okay. So you've years and years and years doing security or whatever you call it. You're gonna forget a couple people you've murdered.
1: <laughs> you know? Well, especially, especially for bot, I mean like Bothead probably has such a deep closet there's no telling what they've done.
0: And we gotta think about it, like Billy's whole his whole MO when we are first introduced to him not only about you know is not only about hunting down Homelander, but his whole MO is about getting rid of soups, period. I mean how many soups did he kill in season one right. just because they were soups? Yeah
2: it's,
1: yeah it's gonna be interesting.
0: So, but yeah, he's, I mean, he's like, he's got the girl doing surveillance and trying to find Billy, and of course, he he does end up finding where Billy is at the end of the episode, and that's because Billy went to go find Becca, and that's a whole, I
1: mean. I mean, it it started, like, kind of feel good, then it just kind of ended so sadly, but you kind of knew. You you kinda knew this story was gonna have that ending if you kinda looked at it, because there's no way that Billy was going to raise a soup a soup kid as his own because he has such a he has such an inbred hatred for soups that he every there's no way that he could learn that he could at this point that he can learn to love one.
0: Especially like one that is Homelander's son.
1: Right. And the product of Homelander raping his wife. Right. And taking him away from her him for six, for five or six years. I think, I think it's,
0: that? I think it's like eight or nine. It was a little eight bit. or nine, Yeah, yeah. And taking
1: his wife away from eight or nine years, <clears throat> making him think that she was dead, and you know, I mean, there's no way that he's not gonna gonna equating <clears throat> the kid and being like, you're the you're the reason that I couldn't be with my wife. I mean, every he's gonna look at him every day and be like, she gave birth to you and got away, and you took her away from me. That's well, all right. he's gonna see. So it's like, there's no way that story could have had, had a happy ending
0: like that. Right. I mean, the, the reunion was really sweet to watch, but a, right. kind of like what you said, it's like Butcher started talking about getting her away, taking her to safety. He always said her. He never mentioned anything about the kid. And then when she mentions, you know, when he's talking about getting over, the, going over the fence and she's like, no, Ryan can't climb that fence. Again, with the eyes and with the facial expressions, you can kind of see it startled him, but he was trying to mask it like, oh, that's not what I planned, but okay. Because I, I think he probably really thought that Becca only stayed with that child because she was forced to, you know, and I have known people who have had pregnancies as the product of rape and decided to keep the child. And it does happen where people don't understand that connection. They don't understand that for a mother, a lot of times that love for that child is greater than the trauma that brought that child into this world. And so for Billy to just automatically think, oh yeah, she's just going to leave the child behind and we're going to, you know, we're going to run away and we're going to go off grid and we're going to live happily ever after. It's like, that's one of the very few times in this series that Billy Butcher has been very delusional
1: that kind of changes the dynamic things now too because his whole goal in this was now getting her but now that he can't have her he has to now everything kind of changes like he has to figure out am i still going to try to get her or what's going to happen now i mean he's kind of at a crossroads right now he has to figure that out
0: yeah it's kind of like he he, you know his whole purpose for being alive the last eight nine years was to find the person you know to to get back at Homelander who he thought murdered his wife and then to be with his wife once he found out she was alive and now it's kind of like where do you go from here do you go back to the boys and be I mean he, he doesn't even have the, his original purpose like the whole reason why the group is together was so he could hunt down Homelander and so, the his
1: that but his <clears> wife's alive
0: right
2: Person would see that a mother who actually loves their child would just walk away. Right. right. I mean, there are mothers who don't give two beans about their kids. That happens, but not for someone who actually truly loves their child. But see, you know, I guess
0: the thing is, Billy hadn't been around Becca to, yeah. to see how she interacts with the child. You know, he only had that brief glimpse when Homelander basically took him and knocked on Becca's door. He saw them a little bit before he passed out and then that was it. So he was asking all of these questions during their reunion, like, you know, how long have you been here and basically trying to find out what her status was, I guess, you know, trying to find out, okay, you know, he's, did he hurt you? You know, are are you okay? Are you, you know, have you been, you know, he's trying to gauge all of this for, from her to see, okay, let me figure out the best plan to put forward. And again, he starts making plans to get her out. And then when she mentions Ryan, it kind of throws a kink in his plan and you see him like trying to convince her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he can come and she's like, I think you'll, I think you'll like him. He's like, you know, she's trying to, she's extolling the virtues of her child. He's kind, he's loving, he's this, that, and other. And she's basically trying to tell him, please accept my child. He's not like his father. And Billy does his best, but he's not a good liar. He's never, I mean... We, yeah. We've seen it he, do, he does not lie well And when she calls him out on it He makes the big mistake and says exactly what, What's on his mind And he's like your, your, your kid is just some freak soup And yeah uh-huh. Like like Mike and I are watching it Um, we're, we're doing a watch party And we're watching it And Mike just types and he's like oh this is so sad It's like all the things you could have said And you said the one thing to ensure That you will never ever be With your wife again
2: that's Ooh. technically his stepson.
0: Technically, yeah.
2: Technically, yeah. yes. Oh, he treated him really badly, and he doesn't even know the kid. And see, here's the thing I suspect that if he got to know the kid, he might actually like the kid. You, you know what I mean? But he's so <laughs> driven, and I think that eventually what's going to happen is I think that she will get away from there. But I think that she's gonna. Even if she gets away with there with, with Ryan, I think she's gonna make it even harder. Decision not even to revisit going back with Butcher as his wife because she knows now for certain that her son will always be in his eyes, unless he changes dramatically, a tool, a weapon,
0: right?
1: And no right. one. And I and the whole thing is like if, if Butcher would have given him a chance, he would have seen how the son feels about Homelander. The son doesn't like Homelander now because he basically tried to kill him by pushing him off a roof, and yeah. he almost and he and he did confront him when he tried when Homelander was manhandling his mother, and he kind of had his powers kind of manifest themselves. So, I mean, I think I think it's kind of a good and bad thing. Like if he if home if Butcher would have seen known how the kid felt about him he would have been like, oh, okay, he's probably okay. But then when he finds out that he has equivalent powers to Homelander, he could he would be just like Lori said, a, a tool or a weapon to go against the other, like would he he'd almost be like Kamiko, just like you know, using right. him to get at get back at him, the supers.
0: And, and then, that's, can you can you can you imagine this? A kid with Ryan's potential powers with a stepfather like Billy and his temper like I feel like even if they were to become this little family un- unit or whatever I mean just like you just said if Billy were to find out that Ryan, how Ryan feels about Homelander that he hates him I feel like Billy would kind of use that you know he would kind of that that seed has already been planted in Ryan I feel like Billy would probably make that seed grow and then potentially use Ryan to take out Homelander once and for all. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Billy is the type of person that will soften under, you know, with a child. But I don't think he is. I mean, Becky even said, I know you I know you hate kids, but... And he was like, no, I don't hate kids. And she was like, I mean, for her to say this, his wife, the person who knew him the best. Not that, oh, you don't like kids. She said he hates kids. So I don't see Billy butcher winning father of the year award either it's just i think becca did the best thing for her and she also did the best thing for her child but it was sad to see because we know what butcher has gone through and the things that he has done to get to that moment in the name of becca you right. know but i think if she i think even if she knew what he had done in her name i i, I think that would be too much for her
1: yeah, I think so too. It's just be- Becca is not, because even she was saying, like, she was wondering what, what all he had done and what all he had gone through to get, like, while, while they had been apart, because mm-hmm. she could tell that there was a difference in him as far as as, far as being the butcher that he, he used to be to the butcher that he is now. Right. Because, like, you can kind of tell that he's a harder person, that he's, even though we really only got a small glimpse into, how he was before Homelander raped her. Mm-hmm. Like you you we saw like a small glimpse of how Butcher was. Right. But you could but even when you first meet Butcher, you could tell that he's been through a lot, that he's just hardened and like oh, like really has gone through stuff that's fundamentally changed him
0: as right. a person.
1: So it's you can you can tell and that's something that's not really I don't even know that he can come back from that because that's a lot to come back from. Yeah. Like going through everything that he's been through. And then it's, it's like, you can't really, that's something you can't really change from.
0: And then the did you, did you get a chance to watch the, sh- they did like a little short. Um, and it was, it took place in between episodes one and two or rather during episode one. Um, it's on Amazon Prime, and it basically tells what Billy was doing during episode one. You know, he was missing all of episode one; we didn't see him. But I saw it, that. okay, yeah. so he goes to a friend of his who served in the war with him. He goes there for shelter, and the, and the friend turns on him. You know, tries to turn him in. Oh. and Billy ends up having to kill him and burn the house down. So that's another thing. It's like not only is he has he killed soups trying to, you know, get revenge for or find Becca? Not only has he, you know, innocent people gotten in the way, but he's also had to kill people close to him just for That's it him. to, just for it to like fall apart in his face. It's sad.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, you, you kind of have, yeah. Cause I mean, I, you could, you could literally see both of their hearts breaking. Like when she, after she pressed the panic button and told them that they were on the way. Right. It's like, like you could literally see both of their hearts breaking
0: right there yeah that was so sad that was so sad so I have a question going back to the visit to Don Lewis's character so the way that M.M. got her to let them in the house so they could talk to her he told a story about his father and this was the second time that he had mentioned his father during the episode so he tells a story about his father who um as he says uh I guess, kind of fought against Vaught in his day. But he was like, but I won't get into that. And he tells the story about what his father, you know, did and how he, you know, how his father died and that that burden has passed on to him as far as, you know, righting the wrongs that Vaught has done. When we listen to Dawn's character tell the story about her brother's murder, she mentions that. A man showed up to the house to offer them a settlement, and it, he was from Vaught. Now that got me to thinking. I wonder if MM's father was the attorney who was working for Vaught at the time and made the settlement offer, and then maybe had a change of heart, or maybe had, you know, his conscience started getting to him. And that was when he turned against Vaught and started fighting. And then, of course, he ends up dead. But I'm wondering if his father has a bigger role to play in that story. I mean, it kind of makes sense.
1: I see what you say. I think I didn't see it at first. Like, when when you mentioned it while we were watching, I didn't see it at first. But the more I saw it, I was like, that kind of makes sense. I mean, it's like his father probably didn't. I mean, it makes, because, you know, it's kind of like, uh, like the lawyer it's kind of it's like the story you see a lot where someone comes up out from where they used to be like as far as like being a lawyer or something like that or working in a corporation and then they go back and do something bad to someone in their neighborhood or a neighborhood similar to theirs and they they have a change of heart they see what they're doing they're like what have I become right they're like oh man I gotta change I gotta change this I gotta fix this so I, and yeah I could kind of see that but the thing it also reminded me of and I think Lori have you have you seen black lightning
2: watch it regularly yes
1: okay so that's the story that M.M. <clears throat> told reminded me of the story of the story of black lightning's father like black lightning watching this public yeah. yeah. there was there yeah. were some, there, there were parallels right there. there were a lot of parallels right there that kind of struck me
2: mm. right but it also it also made me think of something too Because the the pastor from Black Lightning too kind of has that sort of that same path. But here's the thing. I like the two of you. I took it that M.M.'s father was someone who didn't work for Voight, but he worked for a client who wanted to sue them. That's the take I got from it. I got that he was on the other side or he came across something in one of his cases that was connected, but I don't get the impression that he worked for them. Okay. Now, my other question to you guys, again, not seeing season one, had they told us anything about Mother's Milk other than his wife and daughter?
0: Well, we know that when, when we are first introduced to him, he was actually serving time in prison. Okay. So, and, uh, Butcher pretty much, uh, got him out. But, um, we don't know much about his background yet, but, uh, again, here's the here's the thing with them taking something small and making it into something bigger later. They made references or mentions to his OCD twice in this show. you know the first I mean I mean it was very pointed references. Um, the first time was when starlight noticed him doing the tap when he was changing lanes, which I was like, why is he looking at him? He's just you know a lot of people they they fidget or whatever when they're driving. And then, you know, they started kind of zeroing in on him stirring the sugar. And then again, you know, beginning of, I think it was the last episode or the episode before that, where, you know, Huey was going out to get him his Purell. And he was like, yeah, get the one with aloe vera. And then this so one, yeah, yeah. And then in this episode, he's, you know, he's educating Starlight on how to properly wash with wet wipes. And I'm sitting here watching the scene. I'm like, this is so funny because all of this really makes sense to us now during COVID. Yeah. But this was filmed pre-COVID. So it was like, it's almost like, oh, M.M. knew what was, going, what was coming. But, you know, so they made these references to the OCD and then they they've made two references to his father in the same episode. So I'm wondering if those two things are going to have a bigger impact in a future episode. Like when we when we do find out M.M.'s background, you know, is that going to have something to do with it and where his why he's with the boys and how he's gotten to this point?
2: He mentioned how his father passed the disease down again and he doesn't want to pass it. And he said, "Stop before he said, my kid." Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, see, I like MM because of this whole COVID thing. I have, as I said, I have a favorite type of wipe I use now for for cleaning stuff. <laughs> I went through the gambit of everything, and I found these perfect wipes that are like extra larger than the size of paper towels. And I'm like, I'm so- <laughs> I'm the boxes up now. Nice.
0: That's yeah. funny.
1: Yeah, I think that a lot. Well, plus a lot of OCD is trauma triggered. Like I think so, like some some people who become 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 obsessed over things mm-hmm. is triggered by something traumatic in their life. Like it's mm-hmm. like some people who can't open doors, like or they have to do something before they open the door is, tr- is triggered right. by something that happened in their life. So I'm thinking that I mean maybe him tapping tapping the steering wheel is like is. Reminiscent of the tapping of the typewriter, like I mean I think oh. there's there's, there's,
2: okay. there's
1: a lot there's a lot of uh, some <clears throat> in some cases of, like I said in some cases of OCD is triggered by trauma, so it's like you know you kind of go over because everything like if you have to go over something again like I could have done something better I could have done this better I got it I could may I mean, go over and over it again and you you kind of get overly compulsive of you you, you kind of get. Get a compulsion of trying to fix things and right go over, and over and over so i think that has a lot has a lot of, that might have something to do with his ocd
0: mm. that's interesting way to look at it one more thing before we get to that really awkward end scene so <laughs> homelander walks into his apartment and he's he's immediately exposed to the news which is showing Stormfront again, you know, and she's basically uh putting down vought, Va- inciting people, and just kind of you know putting it out there that Vaught doesn't have your backs, you know, we need to we need to rise up against them, blah 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 blah. And in the midst of this, she she starts pulling out the memes. And these homelander oh, memes are so funny, but they are pissing him off. And he finally goes to confront her, and we get to see two different dynamics between the characters. So from the beginning of this season till now. Stormfront has been very in-your-face, very non-apologetic, very much, again, without filters and just very bold. And Homelander is the same way, but we've seen how he's kind of lost some of that because he doesn't know how to handle the barrage of insults and whatever that he's getting from Stormfront. So he goes to confront her. And, you know, she's her same, she's the same way. She's, you know, she's mouthing off and everything. And she finally goes a little too far and Homelander's eyes start to laser and you see an immediate change in her, in her persona. She's like, oh, okay, hold up. Maybe I went too far. And then all of a sudden, she turns a little bit seductive to him. She starts walking around him and she's rubbing her arm across his back while she's telling him, you know, basically you are the best of us. You are the most important of us. You just need to learn how to play in this new day and age. And she's basically telling him that he needs to learn to change with the times. And she says, you know, that's what I did. And it's weird again, because... You see Homelander, like he comes into the room and he's really angry. And then as she's talking more, you see his demeanor start to change. You see his face start to change. It's like he still wants to be mad, but he's starting to listen to what she's saying. It's it's all part of that ego where it's like she's stroking his ego and he's totally going for it. And then by the end of it, he's kind of like contemplating her. And I looked at that and I thought, oh, that's Homelander's weakness. His weakness is women. Women are able to, and I don't know if it has to do with that whole, those mommy issues that he has because he was never raised by a mother, but he has those, he has this thing where the women around him are the ones that can kind of control him and kind of put him in his place without him knowing that they're putting him in this place, I guess. But again, it? it it's a, Really weird dynamic because he's like this with powerful women. Like the women that he can bully or the women that he feels like he can do whatever. Starlight, Queen Mae, He has no remorse with them. He's cruel. He's pretty much an asshole to them. And he doesn't care. But you put him around a woman who is stronger than him. Yeah. And his whole demeanor changes.
1: Yeah, I think he has... Yeah, I think if you can showing that if you can, you can get mentally under his mental skin. Right. That you can you can basically do anything to him, and I think I, th- I, it's, it's, I think her reaction when he lit his eyes up is it was it was part fear and it was it was part like curiosity.
0: I think she was and, testing him.
1: Oh, definitely test. 100 percent Yeah, him. I think she was What's
0: testing him to see just how far she could push him. And I guess also to kind of see what type of person he is like. It's kind of like the thing, you know, the lion in the cage. How how many times do you get to prod it with a stick before it breaks free and attacks?
1: And and you, you can tell this is something that she that she enjoys doing that she's probably done before, that she she loves pushing. That is something that I think is almost like a game or an experiment to her that she likes pushing people. To see where their limits are, right, and then like maybe not pushing them over, but pushing them right there, and then kind of reeling them back in. I think she. I think that's something that's probably part of her past that that's going to be revealed. Like how she has learned how to how to manipulate people and how to how to get them to do what they want, even though they don't know that's what she's doing. Right. And She and I mean, she already said that. You know, she. That you have to you have to go multiple times that Lord knows I have, which is which means more now that we know that she's older than she, than she right. is right.
0: now that we know that she's, she's liberty and she's supposed to be like in her 70s right now.
1: right. and so. so so you know that she has um that that she's that she has successfully altered that she has successfully gotten with the times, whichever times that she's whichever time that she's in. She's been able to change her. She's able to be a chameleon and blend in and change with whatever times they are, and fit in and fit in seamlessly, which is a which is a good thing, which is which is an incredible thing considering that she's probably way way older and and, and that's way older than she portrays.
0: Right. Let's talk about this road trip. So, we mentioned, you know, M.M.'s a whole OCD thing, but I think we need to talk about the best part of this episode, and it was car karaoke of Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire. First of all, I think we're aging ourselves. The fact that I think all three of us geeked out to that part. Am I, am I lying? <laughs>
1: no, I, you're not lying at all. Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: So, and Mike, Mike just looked it up. That song came out in 1985. I was in the fifth grade, but I remember that song. I remember the video. I remember how controversial it was, but it's such an awesome song. And sadly enough, it's still, I mean, the, some of the, some of the lyrics and the events need to be taken out, but that song, you could interchange it with stuff that's going on in 2020 and the song is still relevant.
2: I was impressed. I, I was more impressed with the fact that they, that I know they wrote it in the story, but the kids, the, their kids knew the works. Uh, and and, and, and exactly. was just sitting there driving. I'm like, come on, man. This is like, well, first of all, Huey has got uh, a Billy Joel obsession in him, which is cool. But I'm like, come yes. on, it's Billy Joel. How can you not? I
0: mean, come on. Well, I think the funny thing the I think the thing that was weirder for me, because yeah, Huey, knowing Billy Joe, that probably makes sense. I think it was weirder for me to see Starlight singing it one because she is so young and two, because, you know, her, because of the way her mom raised her, you know, this whole capes for Christ and, you know, like extreme Christian background. It's just so weird to think of her singing that song around the house with her mother. I just can't picture it.
1: It's almost like I think she almost would be. It, it'd be like something she sang at a at a pageant more so.
0: <laughs> we didn't to, start the fire at a pageant.
1: We did start with, with a with, with, yeah with flaming batons. That'd be awesome. We did. Be, I, I, I I can see that. I can see that happening.
0: I can see MM was not feeling it.
2: <laughs> well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Up.
0: I laughed. It was, it was so funny. But yeah, M.M. was not feeling it. And that's, I think, the only time in this show that I've thought that M.M. was not cool. Because <laughs> other than that, I love his character. But I mean, the way that Billy left in the, in, in the episode and he told M.M., he was like, you're in charge now. Mazel he's like, motherfucker, I don't want to be in charge. I mean, the way he said it, it was kind of like, really, this is what we're going to yeah. do right now? Like, I just literally asked you, when do I get to go back to my family? And you're like, oh, well, you can do this and you can do this. And then you can go back to your family. I'm going to find my wife. Bye. Again, that whole, you know, the whole selfish asshole thing I talked about with Billy. I love his character. I love that he is such an asshole. But when it comes to the other people, it's just like, dude, just like, really? They sacrifice so much for you. You can't just chill out for a minute. But I mean I know he was he was going to find Becca. He was trying to make sure she was alive, she was safe. I get that. I really get that. But it still sucks that everybody else's needs are pushed to the back burner while they focus on him and what he wants. I just think it's so wrong. I mean but
1: it it's like I mean but then again, like like we said, now that now that all that's kind of crumbled into pieces, you gotta see what's gonna happen next. Because I mean, I mean maybe he, I, I would. It's almost like you kind of hope that he would make amends for it, but you know he's not going to. But it's like he has to kind of pick up the pieces and keep going and figure out what what's next. What he's getting ready to do. Yeah. But I mean, I mean it's kind of hard when like your when best laid plans get laid to waste. So now he has the guy has to come up
0: with something else. Well, we I mean, he still has at this point he still has six episodes to make up for it. and he I mean he he was kinda sorta nice to Huey the last episode. So I mean he kept him from being yeah, killed yeah. and everything. So we'll see. Right.
1: Yeah. Best for him, yeah, definitely.
0: The other thing I did want to mention because I know it's gonna it's gonna come up um later is Frenchie is on a bender right now. He's like getting high. We've heard mention of the incident that went down at Colonel Mallory's house where Lamp Lighter, one of uh, a soup who I believe used to be in the 7, murdered two of her grandkids. And for some reason, that seems to haunt Frenchie a little bit more than it does the other guys who are on the team then, and it's going to come up in a later episode, but I, it, it, it's so weird to see, you know, f- you know, he's, he's trying to be there for uh, Kimiko, and you know, he's trying to, you know, comfort her on the death of her brother, and she's got all this anger and hostility, and she wants to kill Stormfront, and he's trying to be so strong for her, and at the same time, he's falling apart, and then he tries to kiss her, and that doesn't go the way he wants. And then he just completely falls apart, and that makes me so sad because I love Frenchie. He's like my favorite character on the show. <laughs> That's that makes yeah, me so sad. Like I just want to put my arms around him and hug him. So yeah. I just have to mention that because yeah. he's my favorite.
1: I feel I feel bad for him too. I mean, it's, uh, but it's like, why would he just totally misread the room? I mean,
0: I mean, she's sitting in front of the TV yeah. with an angry <laughs> face crying what makes you think she wants a kiss at that moment
1: right well i mean there's frenchie on frenchie high and on the bender so he probably he wasn't thinking straight but still i you know what she's capable of and you're gonna try to steal a kiss let's be realistic Let's be smart about this. Yeah,
0: like, I think that's why he took off so fast after he did that too. He was like, it was like he sat there. And he thought he was like, oh shit, she can literally tear my head off. Let me run, and that's exactly what he did. Man, so.
1: yeah, poor Frenchie, bless his heart. I mean, he he wants what's best, but it's just like, you know, you, you have to think better than that.
0: Yeah, and yeah. you gotta give her time to process. I mean, this was her brother that she had been you know, separated from for we don't know how long, but we know that they were stolen from their their village and they were, you know, injected with compound V. They were turned into soups against their will. And then they were separated and she finally gets her brother back just for him to be killed, you know, less than twenty four hours later. It's you know, sad. She she needs time to process that. So Frenchie just he needs to take his time. You know,
2: I have a side question sure maybe because i i didn't watch season one i'm gonna to have to rectify that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. now, 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 I, I, I have a degree in history and and i studied a few things i don't recall the shining path liberation army to be that big in the philippines I mean, it, it, it's a very old group to be using it with, on such young kids as a plot device. So I, I just find it weird. Um, I I can see you know, like the the child soldiers in Africa. That's more of a current thing. I can see you know kids being forced into slavery over in, in Asia. I can see uh, you know just any number of of. Things, but that to me just seems like a weird uh, reference and a weird thing, and the way that they took them and they made them into the suits they are, and her brother, and her. And uh, uh, am I reading too much into this? Or
0: I don't know. I mean, I honestly, because like you, like we've said, they always seem to mention things that have greater significance later on. So I'm thinking because we've been you know, we had heard about this little group and then we see we've seen more of them in the last few episodes. So maybe something else will come from that. Um but I don't I don't know. I I think it's weird too. Like you said, there were there were other there were other um groups and other plots that they could have that they could view. So I don't know why this one was right. That yeah. right so I don't know why this one is like of particular importance but yeah I, I have a feeling it'll probably come up in a later episode and we'll probably get more detail into it maybe a little bit more background of Kimiko and Kenji I would like that because I actually like you know even though he wasn't on the screen for a long time I like the actor that played Kenji and I liked what the potential was for his character and yeah. I hate yeah and I hate that his character was gone, at, you know, so quickly. But maybe we'll get to see a little bit more, you know, like background backstory.
2: I mean, they have to give us at least, uh, you know, a good two or three scenes because there's so much you don't know. I mean, I'm pretty good coming in cold this season, but wow, there's so many questions. <laughs> right,
0: right. All right, y'all want to ta- y'all want to tackle this last five minutes? This this weird. Weird scene. The what was it, Mike? That you said it. It takes. It takes.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It literally takes 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 the word, takes the phrase "go fuck yourself" to a whole new meaning.
0: (laughs) So man. So after his little um pep talk from Stormfront, Homelander goes back to the cabin to see. Faux Madeline. That's what I'm going to call her. Faux Madeline. And it's clear that he's there with a different purpose than he was when we first saw that scene in the beginning of the episode. Um, You know, Faux Madeline comes up to him and she's trying to do the, the same thing. My good boy. Are you thirsty? And again, with the milk fetish, that's like really gross. But you know, Homelander makes it, he makes it very clear that that's not what he's there for. And, you know, Doppelganger makes, um, you know, makes a comment about her loving him or something like that. And he says, I don't need you. And he walks away. He was like, the only person I need is me. And then in the background, Doppelganger turns from sexy Madeline to sexy Homelander. And I mean, in the negligee and everything. And it was weird, but it's like they, he starts having this sexy dialogue I, I won't even say dialogue like doppelganger literally goes to homelander and starts i don't even know how to describe he basically starts trying to seduce homelander by saying yeah you don't need anyone but you you know um all you need all you need is yourself you know i can do this and i i mean he starts
1: getting explicit like Very
0: explicitly, he's like, Yeah, I'll suck your blah blah better than anyone ever has, and you'll come looking at your own face. And it's not really gay because it's with you, and it's just like, Who the hell wrote this scene? And how did you keep a straight face when you did? I want to know how he kept a straight face filming this. I mean, naturally, I know he probably had a stand in, so it wasn't actually looking at his own face. But it was still weird. And let me just say. He wore the hell out of that necklace. <laughs> he was the...
2: uh,
0: No, He looked good. He looked good. But it was. Yes. It was. I mean. I. It's just. It's. It's. It's one thing. To love yourself. To have self love. But to like. Have that ideal physically manifests itself in front of you and almost become a reality on the screen. I mean, literally I was sitting here looking at the screen, like if you actually go down on your knees in front of yourself, I'm turning this shit off. I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. It was, so, it was so uncomfortable. And then of course, Homelander has to be Homelander. And basically is like, I don't need you. And he kills his doppelganger self. And I just looked at it as, I, I told Mike, I said, okay, so I guess at that point, he's killing the what he considers the weak part of himself. The person that needed to be loved, the person that needed to be accepted, the one that needed to be, quote unquote, adored. That was the person that he feels made him weak. It is also the same person that allows him to be kind of controlled by the women in his life, especially Madeline, like she was that main influence and she was that main connection so i think in killing that version of himself i think from this point on we're going to see a whole different homelander like i think
1: yeah because he killed that part of himself and he technically killed madeline again again yeah double tap (laughs) like like you said he he got rid of he got rid of both things that he felt was holding him back so now he can go forward and do and he he probably feels like he can go forward and and be a better version of himself you know i mean i just want to say there's a difference between loving yourself and loving yourself yeah Yeah, that got the difference between that yeah yeah, but when he when he he went down his knees i was like like, literally when the doppelganger was on his knees i was like I
0: really to, thought that they were gonna like, I thought we were about to see something graphic that was gonna be so like, I was gonna be like, okay, you know what? I watch a lot of stuff that can be questionable. That would have been a new one for me, and I don't know how I would have reacted. That was yeah. just.
2: Uh-huh. I was actually waiting for you to do a fade shot and show him, you know. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs>
2: Cause I'm like, if you're gonna go that far, you might as well go that.
0: No, far. I'm not. I'm not ready for no, no. And and here's the thing, and I'm speaking this with knowledge of what happens in the next two episodes. That's not even the weirdest thing that happens in this season.
2: Oh jeez, really
1: it's not, yeah. it's, really, it's really, yeah. Th- this is literally the the tip of the iceberg. Oh. There's so much more. There's so much more weirdness iceberg below this. It's just not.
2: Like seriously, you know, it's interesting because this is what I thought. I didn't think you—you guys are thinking metaphorically this and metaphorically that. I'm thinking he killed Doppelganger because if you think about it, he's already in a a same-sex relationship because Doppelganger technically is male, and even though he's trans anyway. But my thing (laughs) is, I think the reason he killed him is because he said it's not even gay. And I think with Homelander being Homelander, that triggered, that's the way I took that death. Okay. That was, that's the way I saw it is because you have a lot of people out here who do stuff and they don't want to admit to themselves what they're really doing is this when they're trying to make it seem like it's that. Right. So that's what I took it as. I took it not killing himself. I took it, he killed them because poor doppelganger uttered one line too many in his little quote unquote role play.
1: Hmm. If, um. In that line, I wonder if he wouldn't have said anything. Like, if said anything, like, we would have seen, seen, seen. Um. Homelander's head had thrown back in an ecstasy and been like, oh, faded black. Whoa, hold on.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think. But
1: he- I, I think more, more so than that. Um. I, I. I don't know. I, I, still, I still kind of, kind of really see it metaphorically. I think that. I, I, I see I see what you're saying. I, and I can agree I can agree with that to an extent. I just think that Homelander's so messed up that you can you it's it's kinda hard to tell which way his mind was going at that moment because it's like he's probably he just saw Madeline and then next thing you know he sees himself and mm-hmm. he's like what the hell is going on here? Yeah. And, and all of a sudden all of a sudden He's listening to himself talk dirty to him. And it's like,
0: wait, what? See, that was the part that disturbed me. It's like, when I think of being seduced or when I think of being taught, you know, having someone talk dirty to me, I don't particularly picture myself doing that to myself. It's just weird.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not that into me. I don't think I could.
0: Like it was, and the fact that he, and and again, with Tony Starr is like with the facial expressions, it's like you could see, there was a little bit of fascination, and then also a little bit of disgust, like he didn't know which he didn't know which way that pool was going, right, and. I I don't know how he filmed that scene without, I, like I want to know. It, it's similar to the gills, the the gills talking scene with the deep. I want to know how many takes they had to do of that scene before they got it right, like without laughing, but, without falling apart. It's just yeah, it was wonder... so uncomfortable. Like how do you film something like that and be like, <whistles> okay, it's ah. <ugh. sighs> yeah, and, and,
1: and just. Uh... Man, this this just some haunting stuff,
0: man. Like we like, we don't even know what else to say.
1: Uh, yeah, this, 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 that, that's a good I mean, that that's a that's a hell of a way to end the I mean to end the um episode like wow. But I mean, but it gives it gives you a good space to lead into and think about what's getting to happen next with him. Right. And it's I mean oh, Homeland is so fucked up. <laughs> his his, his mind—I mean, his mind—is in such a state right now that it's like because he's already he's already mad at everybody. He thinks he's already paranoid, thinking everybody's lying to him. Right now, because he has a weird he has like weird sexual stuff going through his mind, and he's like purging. He's purging a whole lot of whole lot of things from. He's he's thinking that he's purging a lot of bad things. But more bad things are coming in, and then the whole thing was Stormfront, which is escalating in a weird way. And it's like there's so much stuff going on right now.
0: Yeah, he's him. he's one of those people that's like, you know how you always say, "I wish I could get into that person's head." That is a person. That is a head. I hope I never uh, see the inside of. Like,
1: I don't want to get in there. Right there's
0: all that. kind of chaos in there. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Any final thoughts on the episode?
1: Uh, all in all it was a good episode. It just from the shock of seeing Madeline like walking in the cabin thinking, why the hell is she there? Then to the end where you're looking at you're looking at Homelander on his knees before Homelander, like, what the hell's getting ready to happen? I it was a damn good episode. And it's like those two things almost make like you forget about all the reveals inside, like revealing that Stormfront's Liberty, and she's older than she's older than she looks, and she has a history of being or being a racist.
0: Like a heavy yeah. history. Like she just hinted at it at the in the last episode, and it's like in this episode, it's like, oh no, I'm full flesh. Like yes, proud card me- card carrying member, hard-caring, hard-caring
1: right? Racist. Like holy shit. So yeah, it's like it, and it just took, and again, it's a lot going on this episode to be condensed into an hour like right there were were, were four or 5 There were like five different storylines going on at the same time in this episode and they managed to squeeze all of it in an hour
0: and it didn't feel it didn't feel rushed to me it didn't feel like they were doing too much you know how some there are some shows where you can have different storylines going and it always feels like somebody's getting too much somebody's not getting enough and then there's a whole bunch of extra stuff that didn't need to be there and I feel like the way that this show is done and the way that they tell the stories with the characters everything feels right I can see that. there's not one episode in this season that I can think of where I felt like they were doing too much or they weren't doing enough or you know I haven't felt bored I haven't felt like overwhelmed in a bad way you know I'm overwhelmed in a good way because there's so much going on but it's It's a lot of story to tell, but I think they're pacing it well. I think they're telling it in a good way. They're telling it in a way that's keeping us engaged and interested. And it's like, even though we think, like, we have our theories about what's going on, but we don't know what's coming. And when we think we have a character pegged out, we find an episode later, two episodes later, that character's completely not what we we thought they were. And I like that about this show.
1: Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, I mean, and then it's like there's there's so much there's so much more so much more room to expand on a lot of characters. I mean, like some characters we haven't really even really touched, scratched the surface of what what's going on with them. So, right. so I mean, they still have a lot of room to grow too.
0: We still don't know a lot about Black Noir.
1: Right. Exactly.
2: And I haven't. Okay. And I guess again, I'm gonna rectify it this weekend. I don't know what Queen Mae's powers are i just see her running around with a girlfriend
0: you know, right because we be haven't a little seen little. a lot of her power in this right. season
2: yeah so we we don't know and then the other the the other thing is this was the first episode where i actually was excited to see the next episode but i couldn't watch it because i had a log on. you guys i'm like oh this is getting good. you know how you, you know how when you're watching a binging show and you hit that groove and you just want to go and the next thing you know, it was two, two o'clock in the morning and you're watching the eighth episode of the 100 You've watched that day. You know, it's that type
0: of thing. I've done that several times. Yeah. So, yeah. You'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Well, if nobody else has anything else, that is it for our show. If you have any questions or comments, you can find us at fandomhybrid.com or on our Facebook IG, and Twitter. Also at Phantom Hybrid. We are also now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you guys next time.